Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Sherwinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about, uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few, and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called Allbrace, and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the Allbrace, and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're going to want to check it out at all-brace.com. So, hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, my life has been upside down. I just got back from Costa Rica where I had the pleasure of meeting a couple really cool people. Um, Damon John, um, Jesse Etzler, who is now one of my favorite people on the planet. He's incredible. Um, we got to meet Willie from... Um, was it Duck Dynasty? Oh yeah, got Robert. Some, yeah, I mean, I got to meet some cool people, learn some really cool stuff. Um, I learned about dynamic ads and AdWords, and uh, that's pretty cool. I learned a lot about that. There was a case study done. The guy presented like all the details on what's better, like doing dynamic, where basically AI runs it versus like humans actually running it. And that was great. Uh, so my wife and I went to that conference. It was super educational. We also had a good time at the pool when the conference wasn't going on and hanging out with some new friends. And um, and then since I've been back, a uh, huge announcement. I was announced as the keynote speaker at WASA, which is going to be cool. So if you guys are planning on going to WASA or not planning on going, you should go. Uh, make sure to book your ticket for that. I think it's free. You just got to get there. Uh, from what I saw. So um, that's really cool. It looks like some good stuff on the agenda. There's going to be lots of vendors. Uh, and then I believe I'm working on trying to get a speaking spot at um, IDA Educon. Always feels weird saying that. Educon. I know. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, that's going to be in New Orleans, I believe. And Louisiana. Down south. Uh, how do you say it in like Louisiana voice. Rankin, you can probably do that, can't you? Not a chance. No? Okay. Not a chance. I do horrible accents. Do you? Yeah, do my you wife say, makes fun of me. Do you say Louisiana, Louisiana. in Georgia? Is that Louisiana. how you say it? Hmm. Well, I'm in Florida, so we probably do have a little bit of a southern drawl, but um we say Louisiana. Louisiana. That's Lu how I would Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. Well, I'm from Georgia, but people always make fun of me because I don't have an accent. I do on no, some no. words, but people would be like, you're from Georgia. I've been lived here my whole life, except for like six months in Miami. But uh, I gave away our guest today, Rankin from Service Spring. Yeah. 
Yay. Thanks for we having me, like Ryan. applause. We need like. And take input in some applause. Yeah. And then we have Tamara, our co-host. It's me. Hello. Who always breaks it up and makes the show better. <laughs> so, uh, Rankin, how you been, man? Oh, we're good. Uh, just enjoying the Florida heat and summer and uh, having a great time. Kids are getting back into school, so we're all busy uh, starting up a lot of that stuff. And football started uh, getting ready to start, so we're super oh, yeah. excited about uh, about that. So good time of year. Love the fall. Have kids playing football or you just enjoy watching it? All the above. So okay. I have th three boys uh, who play football, and so that's a lot of fun to watch Are you them one of those intense dads who are, like, screaming from the sideline? No? Not at all. All right. I was going to say, I'm, it does not strike me as that at nope. all. I'm the most chill guy on the sideline ever. Are you? Okay. Yeah. I'll scream at the parents for being too loud because they get crazy. <laughs> but no. Football in the, the South play. is just different. It is. It's, it's a religion. Pretty, yeah, it, it, could, it, it can be sometimes, I'll tell you. Yeah. So I live in Buford, Georgia, and um, I will tell you that Buford football is, I mean, there's people across the country that know who we are because of our football program. Like we put out D1 athletes every year, like oh, multiple, yeah. sometimes four or five, six kids go get D1 scholarships uh, that we win the championship like every year. We just opened the season with like one of the top teams in Alabama and beat them like 38 to six. I mean, it's like, it's hardcore, right? I mean, they, they take it very, very seriously. If you don't, if you're a coach and you're not winning championships, you're fired. So you got like one to two years. I believe it. So um, they don't change coaches very often, but when they do, it's uh, it's pretty high pressure. Big deal. Yeah. It's like watching college football though. I mean, they're like, you know, it's, it's pretty legit and I'm friends with a lot of the coaches. So, um, nice. I, I see how intense they are. So it's, uh, it's pretty legit. They run it like a college program though. Yeah, no, we get it. Florida football, same way. Uh, we've got a couple of the academies here that are crazy. IMG. Of, yeah. IMG, a lot of, a lot of talented kids there. That's just a little bit South of me. That's like a college. Yeah, it pretty much, you know, it's the training for the college. And now college, I guess, is semi-pro now that the kids are getting paid. So I guess is high school next. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know either. Great marketing opportunity with the NIL. I thought about getting into that with uh, such and such. Yeah. All right. Nobody came on here to listen to football. Maybe a few, but <laughs> let's uh, let's deep dive into some questions I think everybody might be interested in. Uh, Rankins with service spring and, uh, service spring is a supplier of ours over at air and overhead doors has been very good to us over the years. Um, our reps phenomenal, always replies really quickly. We've had great customer service. You guys know how I am. I'm, I'm a little tough on the suppliers who, uh, cut corners and don't communicate and don't treat you well, but I'm also here to pump up the ones that do and let you guys know. And um, my relationship with Service Spring has been great. And honestly, I don't know I've ever heard anybody complain um, about their relationship with Service Spring. None of our GDU members, no, yeah. I've not had anybody, everybody's praising them pretty well. So uh, I think that's a testament to the leadership. And I assume that probably starts with you. Um, I know you um, won't take the credit, but. No, certainly not. We've, we've got a great culture and we're certainly not perfect. Uh, there's certainly some things to complain about, I'm sure, but. 
Uh, we, we do really try to put the customer first and really live that out on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's it's not just a slogan for us, but it's really how we live and, and who we try to be. So That's cool. So let's talk about everything you, that people would complain about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait a minute. How what? much time you got, <laughs> yeah. especially lately with uh, the pandemic and everything else? My goodness. All right. So let's dive in. I made a list of questions, uh, which is a little bit outside of my element, but I felt like this would be a good structure for us so I could stay on task. We got quite a few questions. We're going to try to knock this out in like 30 minutes or less. All right. Um, how do you feel about where the market is today with supply chain issues? Have we improved a lot? Are we kind of the same? Has it just shifted? Give me some feedback. Yeah, I think I think supply chains are really starting to catch up. And I think most people are feeling that lead times are starting to come down in, in many places. And I would just say there's probably a couple of reasons that's happening. And, and first of all, you know, a lot of the people that supply us are starting to get good help and being able to hire people uh, that make a lot of the things that we all use um, to, to fabricate and make the other th finished goods. And, um, it, you know, second is, is the materials are finally starting to get healthy. Um, you know, and so just the physical raw materials that are, are, are flowing into the country and things, we're not getting uh, the same sort of limitations that we had in the past. So that's huge. And the last thing I'd say is probably the panic buying. Uh, folks are kind of starting to settle down a little bit on that and just getting what they need when they need it, where there was a season there that everybody just said, hey, we're going to buy every physical thing I can get my hands on. And man, has it affected amazing. you though? Like oh, I was thinking about this the other day because yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, when am I going to get a call from Craig? Like, bro, are you ever going to order from us or have you left? <laughs> but I mean, I bought so much yeah, that I'm yeah. sitting on inventory and, you yep. know, I got a, I got a, like I hired Joseph Roberts to help me with like CFO. Like he's kind of like a fractional CFO for me. And he came in he's like, all right, let's take a look at inventory. And we're like, okay, cool. Here you go. It's like $300,000. And he's like, whoa, what? <laughs> he's like, we got to get this down. This is where all your cash is at. So yeah. he's like, we need to cut it in half or more and blah, blah, blah. And so, so we're like trying to ride out some of our inventory and not order a bunch. And we, we were sitting on so much that it's like, okay, now we can start getting rid of it and not have to feel like we got to yeah. replenish. We see so. that across the board. A lot of folks are pretty stocked up right now. And so that's also helped a little bit to kind of give us uh, a breather where we can focus on uh, on getting caught up in some of the other places. and Not great and for cash flow for service spring, but great for getting caught up. Well, certainly for anyone like that's sitting on that kind of inventory, that's that's never good for cash flow because it's, you know, you can't turn into cash till it's sold. And and so I think people are starting to get back to, hey, these are the routine orders of what we need. And that's huge for us because it gives us that steady demand, which is what we're all kind of built to do where for a season there, it was like, hey, give us everything possible. <laughs> and that was that was not good. So that, that messed all the manufacturers up for yeah, sure. Your whole, like everything in the Orlando office, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, and we, we heard it all. So I'll, I'll take everything you have was, was a common, you know, order type for a while. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's why allocations were big for us to try to slow people down and help them you know, and, and spread it out as much as we could. So. And I imagine there's some people trying to plan like a monopoly on that, right? Like buy up all the inventory, raise the prices. I feel like that's kind of what happened with steel in the first place. Sure. You have some of that. And and then there's just a lot of people that were scared of, Hey, I don't know when I'm going to be able to buy this again. And this is, 
you know, I can't run my business without doors or springs or whatever. And so I'm going to get everything I can just to support and take care of my, you know, backyard. So I, we get that, but it made it tough. There's no doubt. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, when I watch the markets, you know, you see the ups and downs, the inconsistencies we had, um, majestic steel on here. What was it last, uh, yesterday, today? It will, the episode released today. Yes. But for everybody else, it'll be last week. Yeah. And we're talking about, um, we're talking about, you know, how prices of product have come down like raw material, but the middleman really hasn't seen that effect yet. Uh, How are you, like, when do you think that garage door dealers will see, or will we see a decrease in price on material? It's a great question. And I think it does depend on what material you know, you're referring to. And and I think steel is certainly a large input that we watch. Uh, Obviously in spring manufacturing and door manufacturing, steel is, is, is a major component, but I think there's a lot of other things at play that, you know, people aren't talking about. It's, you know, it's the price of gas and uh, we say, oh, wow, it's down to 425 a gallon. Now we're all excited because it used to be five. And it's like, dude, a year ago, it was like $2 and 21 cents. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just you know, wanted to give a shout out. Thank you, Biden, for getting the price of gas down. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Five, Thank you from five fifty to four twenty five. We really appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, huge shout out. There. You're the best. Yeah, and, and, and inflation is the same way. You know, we're 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 hovering in that you know eight and a half percent, and we're like all excited because it was nine last month, and and so you you start to ask these questions like, hey, things are getting better, and you're like, no, it's still eight and a half percent. That means a year from now. You know, everybody's eight and a half percent in the hole. And that's, I think, you know, you, you got the president saying, look, uh, you know, there's zero inflation. It's like, he's quoted saying that. And it's like, I think that's just kind of the disconnect right now uh, that a lot of people have with, you know, I, I know like the normal person gets it. They understand it. They're filling their tank. So They're, are you saying that it's Biden's fault? The reason why we're not getting prices going down? Well, I, I'm certainly not blaming on any one single individual, but I think these I like to have fun. These are macroeconomic factors that play a role, right, in the pricing of everything. Uh, freight is still not where we want it to be yet, so you know, getting these materials from point A to point B uh, still part of it. Now, yes, we're starting to see like the indexes of steel start to move a bit. But by the time that does eventually start to translate, it takes time because all of those stockpiles of inventory and all these different places have to catch up with that. So um, we're optimistic, yes, like everyone else that, hey, things really do seem to be starting to head in that direction. But there's some other things I think that have to start to move, you know, because labor rates are a big one, too. And you talk about inflation, like, man, think of your average person that's working, you know, wherever it's like a year from now. If you make the same amount of money, you now make eight and a half to nine percent, maybe ten percent less. That's yeah. crazy. You know, you give somebody a ten percent raise, and they just say, "Well, I'm back to square one." Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a lot, you know. And so that that's real for people. And so I think that impacts the price of all of these goods we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah, we can again, say definitely like demand is slowed. You're starting to see companies that were like aggressively recruiting now laying people off like left and right, which is crazy. Um, so the, the job market, you know, the, the reports haven't been like, uh, they haven't, uh, I think shown what's, what's happening now yet, but you're, I think you're going to start to see, um, the job market starting to look really bad 
I think you're going to have a lot of people laid off, um, which is going to mean, you know, more people looking for jobs. But the the people that were recruiting and way overpaying to get talent, they're going to be hurting here soon um, or laying people off. And, yeah. you know, you talk like, I, you know, I was talking to um, Allison, one of the new people here, such and such media. We were talking about this, like, you know, there's people in the, the technology industry and in the marketing industry who are hiring people at 30, 40, 50% higher than normal trying to grab as much people as possible to take advantage of the the rush and the the opportunity. And now they're doing massive layoffs, but guess who they're laying off? The people that they hired for 30, 40, 50% higher. Absolutely. So, you know, I think, I think you're going to see, it, it'll be good, you know, six months from a year to now, I think we're going to see some stabilization and we're going to be able to be looking at payroll and be like, Hey, listen, all right, now we need to be here. But the people who like knee jerk reacted, I think are going to be, it's going to suck for them for quite some time. Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree with everything you just said. And so hopefully we are heading to that place, but you know, and then what's around the corner too, that's, what's always a little bit scary. You know, is there another wave of, of this or that? It's, it's so it's always tough to say, you know, and so we're, taking it one day at a time and just trying to make the best decision, you know, that we can right now. So. And on a lighter note, right? Like these things challenge us and humans by nature, we're like extremely adjustable. Like uh, we're able to adapt and you see things like, you know, the, the freight issue. Well, you got, you know, on the flip side, you're kind of like looking at Elon's pumping this like autonomous, you know, 18 wheeler, right? Uh, how, how efficient is that going to be? Or on the flip side, how many people is it going to kill? Um, but so like, <laughs> you know, you've got a lot of question marks, right? But at the same time, you're sitting here like, you know, it's creating innovation and opportunity in the marketplace. And if you're listening and paying attention, you can take advantage of those. You know, one thing, I don't know, are you familiar with Illumidor? Uh, I've definitely heard of them. Yep. So I'm not an Illumidor dealer, but I was talking to one of their reps and they have like a really unique model I thought was cool for like a door manufacturer. And they focus mostly on glass doors. Yeah. They do like manless, uh, manless pickup. So for example, what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll create like a warehouse and uh, they have a delivery driver come and they, I guess they organize it really nicely they have cameras and a little key code where when you get there, you're given a key code, you type it in, you go in, you get your door, you load it up, it, you know, door closes, the cameras monitor everything to make sure that, you know, you didn't drop it and say it was their fault. The glass was broken or whatever. And, uh, or take something that's not yours. Uh, but that's pretty cool. Like that when you're cool. talking about innovation and trying to find ways to reduce cost. Uh, to me, like a lot, I know a lot of people will probably be like, oh, well, that's poor customer service, you know, whatever. But to me, I love that. Right. I mean, it's kind of like my bank. Do I want to like figure out the 45 minutes I need to drive to my bank and go in there and like see them face to face in order to transfer money or right. you know, whatever? No, like give me the app and let me just do it myself. I think that's super friendly. And I don't have to worry about with Illumidor. You don't have to worry about picking it up at during business hours. You can go whenever you want. I just think that's really cool. That is neat. That's uh, that's a great idea. But you're right. That's the innovation that people are looking at that I think are are going to help us in the long run. We can't solve everything with labor, so you've got to 
find those sort of opportunities. That's smart. Yeah, I think so. Um, are there any parts still that are maybe hard to get or you guys are still struggling to fulfill? Yeah, the, the two couple big ones that I would say, uh, first would be any long steel item. This would be like track, tube shaft, angle. Um, some That's of those just are, from the, the shipping, right? Yeah, shipping, those are lagging behind. Um, you know, I think there's, I think, I would say major door OEMs are still catching up on those items too. So I think they're still buying them in like crazy quantities, not leaving a lot extra um, out in the market. So the, the last one would be doorstop. Um, we're seeing shortages on, you know, like stop molding and things like that, doorstop. And um, that that's one that we're watching closely to see where that's gonna go. But uh, kind of those two categories, I would say are the two that we've seen lag behind the rest thus far yeah um, that's interesting what do you think is causing the doorstop uh, i think that's just another one it's just the demand is is still crazy um they got really far behind and i just don't think they've caught up yet uh where i think different groups and different companies um you know there's not a ton of doorstop suppliers you've got really two major ones in the u.s that you can buy from and um you know when when one of them has an issue or gets behind uh that, that's a that's a big part of it and then i think also they look at other items that they were able to make during the pandemic mm -hmm. that they had to make some hard business decisions of how much doorstop do we make and how much of this do we make and i know they you know we're trying to run as much of everything these big chemical companies figuring out hey how do we right. you know appease all these industries and things so i know that's all all part of it so yeah I think a lot of companies right now are looking at streamlining stuff. You know, I remember, I think it was Amar, like reduced their colors and sure. stuff like that. I mean, I think that's smart. I mean, yes. and they even reduced their product line, which I don't even know why they had so many to begin with. And it's like hindsight right now. Like yes. you're probably like the CEO of Amar wondering like, why didn't we think about this before? We have like two doors that look exactly alike and we sell them at almost the same price. Like, it's no, like, he's going to watch this and shake his head for sure. Yeah. And it's like, why did we not get to that sooner? And, right. And, but yeah, it's it like, smart. you know, you just don't think about stuff like that. You just evolve day to day. And so, yeah. I totally. Yeah, and I think there is a place where you're trying to differentiate yourself. And when everybody's got the same thing, you're like, well, we've got more options. Right. And you really start to go down that rabbit hole. And then eventually you wake up, like you're saying, like, why do we have all this stuff? Right. You know? Yep. All right. So, so um, you guys, and if this is a sensitive subject and you don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But I do feel like this is a good opportunity to lay some more out there. But you guys made a little bit of a tough decision, I think during the pandemic, um, that was, you guys cut off suppliers um, and really focused on dealers. And there was even mixed reviews in some of the groups about your intentions and motives for this uh, from even some of the dealers, which I thought sure. was really weird because I think the whole decision was to try to drive uh, more supply for the dealers. Um, so can you tell me now, like, what motivated that? And then looking back at it today, was that still a good decision? Yeah. So, you know, since 1962, we've been, you know, built for the small dealer, medium sized dealer. And over time, you know, we got into selling pretty much everyone in the entire industry. 
And when the pandemic hit, we the demand that was coming in was such that we we couldn't keep up with everyone. And so some really hard decisions had to be made. And we just decided, hey, let's, you know, when something's got to give, let's go back to our roots, let's focus on the dealer and let's make sure they have what they have. And at the end of the day, I think Service Springs position was, look, um, these are the folks we want to stay in business. We don't wanna see hundreds of dealers go out of business because maybe only the biggest dealers in the country can get what they need. And, you know, they've got the buying power and ability. Um, we tried to take care of everyone as much as possible. And it was tough. That's a really hard decision. Um, you know, put yourself in a sales position, like uh, shoes of like, a, do we not want to sell these people? Of course I do. You know, I've got phone call after phone call coming into my office saying, you know, hey, you're shutting us down. And these are these are major OEMs. These are major distributors. I mean, guys that were I think my name was a swear word for a while. Uh, <laughs> it may still be. Uh, but, you know, I, I wasn't yeah. going to say anything. But, <laughs> but I, you know, and then, you know, there's some bad press from the dealers like, oh, man, they're just, you know, focusing on dealers for maybe the wrong reasons. And, and nothing could be further from the truth there. Um, we did everything in our power to free up capacity to keep those keep the lights on for everybody. Yeah. And we often couldn't give everyone exactly everything they needed, but enough to get by. And that's where we felt like at the end of the day, you know, we slept well knowing like, hey, we're taking care of the core of what we see as our, our market. And so in hindsight, would I do it again? Yes. Um, would Do we think it worked? Um, well, I haven't heard of a ton of dealers that we work with going out of business. Um, you know, during the pandemic, typically there were other reasons than supply, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. And, and I would say, you know, that, uh, it, it didn't come easy. It wasn't a decision that, you know, was, was made quickly or, or, you know, you know, easy from our team. So, but yeah, I, I do think it helped, uh, and it helped the key area. And now that we're kind of opening up we're getting back to being able to help other people. And we see some folks that are like, yeah, we're, you know, we don't like you guys. And, you know, Rankin's name's a swear word, but we do need some help. So can we, you know, and <laughs> so we're kind of back to some of, of that. So of course, yeah. of course. What did you do for me today? Um, yeah, that's what's tough. You know, you got the loyalty of the dealers. Like these guys, they care about the things that Service Spring cares about, the customer service and, and the you know the lead times and all of our you know training products and everything we we put so much time and energy into those sort of things we're like a distributor man if you're a half a penny high we're gone like we care about none of that yeah and in the time where it's the toughest and you've got to lock in with it's like you know what you know who, who are you gonna dance with right and it's like that's that's the people that brought us here if those we, are the folks we're going to focus on. Yeah, I think, um, and that's huge, right? Because, you know, I look back on some of the decisions we made and it's really cool to be able to do that. Like take that time to be like, okay, we were faced with this. You didn't tell the future, right? Like you, you didn't know how long this was going to last. You didn't know how bad it was going to get, how quick it was going to recover. You didn't know anything. So you're making decisions, part faith, part fear, you know, with blind just not knowing none of us have ever been through anything like that right so here we are right we're trying to make all these hard decisions and we look back and we say 
oh wow that was the right decision i did good you know like and so you hope uh, so right yeah. yeah and and so like we should know by now honestly uh whether a lot of those decisions were kind of the right or the wrong decision and there might have been like some slight adjustments to decisions that we could have made but I mean, I look at a lot of the door companies and I feel like a lot of them make good decisions during that time to like yeah. do what they could. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of like applause to everybody because I feel like, you know, for the most part, door companies did pretty well. I know there were some times where it was tight, but I'd never felt that. Uh, maybe that's because I was a service spring customer, uh, but doors, um, doors, we were so blessed because we had, you know, we order doors from like eight to 10 different manufacturers, right? Wow. I was always given a hard time and I don't negotiate discounts on entire lines of doors because I don't want to sell Pandora's. So I tell manufacturers, you can charge me what you want on those, but on these doors, your high end stuff, like this is where I need the help. And so, um, I think it's a good relationship, although some of them may not like the volume that we send them because we spread the love so much, mm -hmm. but that was like super helpful to us because here we are in the beginning of this thing. And we're like, uh, we see, um, what was it? Uh, Clopay came out of the gate with like exceptional turnaround times. And so we were ordering tons of Clopay and then they just fell off. And then CHI about that same time started kicking butt. And so we started ordering a CHI and we were able to flip flop and that helped our business out tremendously with cash flow and everything else, because mm -hmm. you're dealing with all these, um, long lead times. So anyway, consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe summer USA. Somer's not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first-time dealers... I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram posts. 
with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The Bifold Doors are awesome, and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better Bifold than Schweiss. What are some of the most successful dealers doing that um, maybe some of the dealers that aren't as successful? Um, what are some like things that you're seeing right now? Um, yeah, dealers are doing. That's a great question, and and I, I'd say probably the biggest thing from our perspective is is their ability to upsell and to really charge the right value for the product. Um, an example I'll give is, man, we put a new front door uh, on my father-in-law's house. And it's beautiful that it's, you know, maybe eight foot by, you know, seven foot, whatever. And um, that thing was like $5,500 and installed, done. It's like, and, and I was like, just blown away. I'm like, wait, the 16 foot by seven foot moving wall on the side of the house is a fraction of that cost. And, and so like, I think what we oftentimes struggle with as, as, as dealers and, and, and our industry is to really sell the value of what we're doing and why we do it. And oftentimes it's like, hey, give me the least expensive parts possible so I can charge my customer the least amount as physically possible. And that's gonna be my deal. And I don't want that as a customer. I don't think most customers do. I think we wanna be presented with options and let us use our brains to say like, wow, okay, there's, you know, there's a camera on the operator. Do I want that? Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. If, at least I know about it and have an option to purchase that. Um, and that's where the margins are for a lot of our dealers and where the value gets created for their business. And I think they just struggle sometimes to believe it. And I would just, last thing I'd say is like our industry. I know. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's so like validating for us. And put that as our like headline for this podcast. That's it's your spot on the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? Like I've done some like IDA seminars and things like trying to teach like, hey, there's extra stuff you guys could do and not be afraid, Um, you know, and it's not again there. There's a differentiation between I go into someone's house that doesn't need something and sell them something they literally don't don't need because it's not broken or it doesn't need replaced and I lie to them like that. That's truly what a bad Bob is. But I think our industry is like started to label everybody that goes in and says, Hey, there's value in what we do. And we're going to not apologize for that and charge accordingly for it and generate value for our industry. Like that is like lost somewhere. And so I kind of on a soapbox a little bit here, but it's like that, that's a big one, you know? Oh, yeah. All right. So we talk a lot about this GDU, right? So we have a mastermind group for door companies where owners, we got like what, 30, 31, something. Yeah. So, so we meet, uh, we have one group that meets monthly and the other groups meet weekly. And we, um, we deep dive into this and we talk about it and then I'm doing sales training. And one of the things that I do is I go into a business and I sit there and talk to them, their service guys about, you know, Hey, I'm not like you. I'm not right. You come to my house and you present me with all the technology on the opener. 
I'm going to be like a little nerd. I'm going to be like, you mean I can open and close my phone and then yeah. I can watch, you know, from my phone, the camera and the light turns on automatically and it's LED and it's super bright. You mean I can put the motor on the side over there and I don't have to see it hanging down from that ugly, like, you know, metal stuff. Like yeah. this is what I was like before I got into the garage door industry. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And you mean to tell me that I can put all the hardware off this door and put all new on and I don't have to worry about anything for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, bro. <laughs> like, yes. Ow, please. You know? And that's just like, I was like that. I picked the biggest package. I still am pick the biggest package. I spend the most money. And then I'm tipping the guy I'm ordering him pizza and I'm bringing <laughs> the water, right. you know, like I spoil the contractors I always have because I've always admired. And then I'm the guy that does want to watch because I'm like, this is cool, you know, and like my yeah. friends will call me like, bro, I gotta call you back. This dude's like changing out springs and installing. <laughs> and it's so looking, it's looking dangerous. I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> so this is like, you know, I was fascinated, right? So I I looked at contractors like, dude, I wish I could do what you do. So I perceived them as having so much value, yeah. right? But then these people would come in my house and be like, oh, I'll do it for four hundred, and I'd be like, really? Can you do it twice? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, can, can I prepay for the next time? Because it's so cheap. And so I think yeah. getting these, you know, I tell people that I'm a different shopper. I buy once, right? Um, once you get to a certain place in your life, maybe I was just like that my whole life. I was trained to buy the best so you don't have to worry about it. It's convenience, this and that. And I've had times in my life where I've had to sacrifice that because of, you know, money, cash flow or whatever. Sure. But I, I, I'm... I teach that and it, it's freeing for guys who accept it and understand that people do buy wants, even if it doesn't need to be replaced. It's okay to be honest with them. Listen, your opener is fine. It'll probably last you a couple more years, maybe more. But if you want to upgrade to the newest technology with all the like, latest security and all this stuff, this is what it does. Do you want it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's quiet. hundred oh, yeah. percent agree, man. Like you got people that'll just, you know, the, they want to beat us up for like, hey, a dollar a spring. And it's like, why don't you spend $5 more, get premium springs and go double the price to the homeowner because you sell the value to them, right? And it's like, hey, look, we're going to warranty this. We're never going to have to come back for this. Like you're saying, it's like, and it's that they're on the wrong side of like trying to fix this problem. It's like, man, kill, kill the cost, kill the cost, kill the cost. And then what happens is too, is like when everything is so inexpensive and cheap and, and coming, you know, into the country and, and, and not of high value, like the homeowner is not happy at the end of the day because it's loud and it's, you know, it doesn't last. And, 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 and then at the end, they're like, man, what, now I'm replacing it. And so like, think of the other side of the equation. I always tell people, it's like, no, how do you do more? Cause it's really not that expensive to do, to get that upgrade a little bit thicker gauge hinge or, you know, a higher cycle spring or these sort of things. It's like, yeah, I spent a little more, but man, then I took that value and I sold it. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I made more money as a door dealer. And that's what it's about. These people right. like not killing themselves for pennies against the local competition for, you know, these doors yep. it's it's sometimes it's crazy in my mind you know so along these lines uh i started putting together a package of a product that i actually um found out about at uh expo and we order we've ordered a bunch of them from you guys it's stealth hardware yeah um 
you know, I, I think Joseph's a great guy. Um, but the product that he's got is really cool. If you guys haven't checked this out, it's actually a hinge. He's even got like a little display where you can kind of like flap the two hinges, like a standard hinge and his hinge and his makes virtually no noise at all. Yeah. There's no metal on metal. Nope. And the other ones, you know, they're like clanking as you bump them up and down. And so when you show customers that and they're like, oh, wow, like, it'll, and you tell them, listen, there's a couple components to make your door as noisy it is, you know, you've got this genie screwdriver that's 15 years old, rattling, <laughs> you know, the ceiling, you got hinges that are screeching to the top of their lungs, and I can lubricate them, it's going to come back in six months, yep. uh, and your rollers, and, you know, I can replace all this stuff, and we put together this bundle, right, and, um, and, and when we install it, especially on like, single doors, customers like, oh my god, can you do this on my other door? you know, and it's not cheap. Like we, we price it up, you know, like it, we put a whole package together with a new motor and it's called our quiet performance package. And this thing's like legit, but you ain't got to worry about nothing for a long time. Um, what are some other packages that you've seen uh, or that you guys sell bundles that dealers might be doing to utilize some stuff like that to maybe offer some watts or some upgraded products? Yeah, I think you're spot on, right? I mean, you mentioned some of the big ones that are like really tangible for people, like the sound, um, you know, quality, like upgrading your hinge quality, like you're saying. We we offer some powder coated options on many different products now that not only are higher quality, but they look nice. Um, I'd say the powder coated springs, another big one. We have a lot of folks coming in and, and doing their company color to kind of differentiate, you know, from everyone else. And Tommy and, Cummings. And Alabama started doing it. He did the blue and mm -hmm. he said, dude, it's amazing. He's like, when I whip that out, everybody's like, Ooh, that's the one I want. Yeah. Like, right. I'm like, bro, what difference does it make? There's like, it's black or blue. You, you don't even see it hardly. And he's like, bro, people like aesthetics, like make it pretty and people pay for it. And so oh, there's no doubt. Well, yeah, and you so can high cycle it too, you know, yeah. instead of going with a 10,000 cycle, maybe you go with a 25,000 cycle Again, you pay a little bit more for that spring, but in comparison to the value to a homeowner of like, hey, look, we're not going to be here in, you know, five to seven years. This is good for like 20, you know, and it's yeah. that's huge for them. You know, it's it's all part of it. And so those those things, again, they they just double in value in the eyes of the homeowner. And they may be 10, 15, 20 percent more for your cost. And it's like, well, there's value created there for you as a dealer. So. I love how there you guys are doing that. Still hardware and powder coated springs. There's your bundle right there. Yeah. Now, still hardware, like it comes with hinges, a sleeve, a lock washer type deal, and rollers. And um and and it's not cheap. Like if you're if you're going in to buy it and you're like, oh, hinges, they're like a buck a piece. Um not this, right? Like uh you're you're not paying for a hinge, you're paying for the technology. I think that went into the hinge, uh, but it's not cheap. And so you got to sell it like it's not cheap. Right. I mean, you know, if you're paying 200 bucks for a box of hinges and rollers delivered, you got to charge 400 for it. Well, you don't have to. And just a disclaimer, you can charge whatever you want. I'm not right. fixing. Um, but like, you know, you double the price of that and then you add your labor. And so, uh, but what happens is when you do it, you're like, you run it and the customer's like, holy cow, that's quieter than it was when it was brand new. Yes. Right. 
and and you got like a 10 year old door with no cracks you know the hinge the the sections are in great shape customers happy with the aesthetics let's just swap out the hardware and then you're good and my company offers like a longer warranty all this stuff it's great anyway moving on uh do you guys ever do any like testing or research and development on products that you sell um curious about rollers and the lifespan of them yeah for sure i mean probably you know being a spring manufacturer that's where we do most of our testing we've got all kinds of testing equipment for springs and we're testing them all the time so that's that's definitely the majority of our testing most of the testing on the other products we're distributing are done by the manufacturer themselves and i've seen some cool kind of roller testing and and how they hook them up on a table and they spin them around for like days and days and just see how many rotations of like uh, each, you know, roller head and I'm in constant contact on metal and, and, and they're, they're very well tested. Um, and so pretty much every lot that you're buying has had rollers go into that testing methodology. And, and uh, so, but, but it's, a, there's a big difference. Like we just mentioned, like the cheapest roller, no bearing, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not going to last. And then you go into something where you've got like an 11 ball, you know, or something that's really nice with a nylon tire and, um, you know, built to last forever and essentially. And, and so that there's a huge difference there, uh, that people need to, to recognize and go, Hey, maybe the builder grade hardware is not always the answer for everyone, <laughs> you know? So yeah, testing is a big part of what we do. And, and that's just to can you know make sure that the stuff that's coming in for us is is what we expect it to be you know yeah because you know, steel all the time is changing we you know the all American steel is made out of scrap essentially you know we talk about so you, you hope the steel companies are always getting it right but we want to make sure that those springs are going the distance every right. time so Good for you so since the acquisition of Precision. It's uh, it's brought the attention to a lot of like private equity groups. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm getting emails all the time from private equity firms asking for a meeting, or telling me that they're interested in investing in my company. Um, now, I think a lot of that may have brought attention to Newcore uh, into our industry. Who knows? But what do you make of the Newcore CHI acquisition, and how do you think that's going to affect our industry? And we got nine minutes. I got three more questions. So you got to go fast. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, I think private equity can be a good or a bad thing. Uh, places where they're good is they typically have a lot of resources and can inject those resources quickly into an industry. So if a industry is under-resourced, well, hey, we need additional capacity and we need um, new innovation and those sort of things. Private equity can sometimes, because they've got the deep pockets, bring that to the table. The negative can be, they're not as involved and they're not as educated on the space. They can sometimes tend to push companies in directions that are very short-term minded mm -hmm. instead of taking the long run approach of, Hey, we're going to invest for a 10 year play, but it's going to be better for everybody. They're not making decisions like that. Typically it's, Hey, how can we make money quickly and sell this? So those are some of the positive negatives of, of, you know, equity companies coming in and buying and moving. So, um, all of them are kind of yet to be seen. There are some very positive, uh, you know, companies we see, and then there's some very negative. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Nucor is going to do a good job or bad job. We will see, uh, as, as far as how is that, how that goes. Uh, what do you think of, uh, what do you think is going on with LiftMaster? Uh, they seem to be pushing tech really hard right now. 
Uh, they just eliminated the 85401 and they rolled back, back out with basically the same, it looks like the same operator with a, with a, uh, a camera on the bottom. So, so now they essentially have like two elite models sort of say based on yeah. their previous type of model line. Uh, and they also be seem to be having a lot of supply chain issues. Uh, what are you hearing? What's going on? Yeah. So I, I, have the unique privilege of uh, talking with Jeff Meredith, their new CEO. And, you know, he comes from a tech background, you know, previously with Lenovo. And his vision is really interesting. And he sees a lot of opportunity in this space uh, to expand what the, you know, typical dealer can do with these products. And so the, I think the biggest thing is what LiftMaster is seeing is the dealer will go out, install an operator that has a lot of this technology, whether it's a camera or Wi-Fi, they will do nothing to hook it up, install it. They leave, a truck pulls in behind them, and it's basically all of your guys that do home automation. And they're gonna hook up the operator, they're gonna put a camera on that, they're gonna you know, make sure everything's working in conjunction. It's like, wait a minute, if that guy just knew how to do that, he could have doubled the invoice and maybe tripled it because it's not cheap and people are willing to pay for it. So Jeff is seeing this and he's going like, what are we doing? A lot of this opportunity is still here and it's for our folks. And so I think he's really trying to get ahead of that and the opportunity to provide that service and honestly just make products simple so that, you know, the dealer is like, hey, I don't have to be a rocket scientist or an electrical engineer to hook this stuff up. I can go in and, and quickly understand this and make sure I, you know, uh, get these things to play well together. And so that 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 is really the technology push I see from LiftMaster. And it's sometimes on the bleeding edge that our industry may not be ready for. But man, I got to agree that he's on the right path there uh, because you're talking a billion plus dollar, one of the fastest growing industries, home automation and these sort of things. Yep. that the typical door dealer right now is going to say, we don't want any part of that. We don't need any part of that. And we're saying like, no, 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 no. You're missing out on what could be. And, and it's visionaries like that, like, like Jeff, that are able to see some of that before it happens. Right. So um, last I would say is like from a supply standpoint, we, we know LiftMaster had a tough, you know, six weeks where they pretty much couldn't ship anything. They're not happy about that. We're not happy about that. No one's happy about that. Um, and that hurt their supply chain, but thankfully they got things put together before that. Uh, they got a lot shipped out before that, and then they've really worked hard to catch up from that. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't see that being a consistent thing for them. I see them getting that fixed pretty quickly. Okay. So hopefully that's in the past. Good deal. Uh, you guys supply, you guys provide training, um, like, uh, I think do like live training sometimes. Then I think you even guys have a like pre-recorded trainings on certain stuff. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how we can get involved in that? Like uh, where do we find out about it and where do we go to watch them? Yeah. So recently we've done a couple of live trainings with Dave Mount. I think it was out of your guys' place. Um, Dave is absolutely incredible. I would, Amazing. I would say if not the best, one of the best trainers in our entire industry. Um, so I couldn't, couldn't recognize, you know, recommend him enough. And so we've done a couple events throughout the country. He's got a couple more scheduled with us that we're going to do this year. Um, I would just say what's a little bit crazy is the lack of people that show up for some of those things. Um, so I would just encourage everybody listening to this, like to make that time when you see those events, like get out there and be a part of them because they are valuable. It's not just another, you know, poor training. Like Dave is amazing. 
Um, and so, so be a part of that if you, if you can. And then we have on our website, as long as you have a login to our website, which pretty much every dealer in the, on the planet can, and, and it's easy to get a login. You even don't even have to buy from us. You just have to be a dealer. We don't want homeowners going on our site, these sort of things. There are like a hundred videos to train people and to help them uh, through all kinds of things. You know, when you onboard somebody, the typical process is, hey, throw him in the truck with Jimmy and 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 let him roll around for two weeks, and then maybe he'll be on his own in a month or so. Yep. Um, we can do a lot more to help with that, especially in the like front end of those conversations of like, what is a spring and what is a garage door opener? And we've got all these installation videos and things that you know you can get on, and 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 it's all free. Just let those guys maybe spend a couple days so you're talking the same language, they have some sort of context of what's going on. And so th those are probably two of the biggest things I would mention, Ryan, as far as the training goes. And and uh, and ultimately we, at Service Spring, we're happy to help with anything. We've got engineering apps for your phone, um, yeah, you know, great. and, and we're, we're happy to help people learn how to use those. And and so we, we really do try to invest into the dealer in those ways, so. Well, I hope your dealers appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you have a good insight into what's going on because you are, um, you know, you're selling product to dealers, you're selling product uh, maybe now to suppliers. Um, so I really appreciate what you do for Aaron Overhead Doors, uh, but I also appreciate what you do for the industry. The app is amazing. Your customer service is amazing even when we just called normal support like i've even called support um because like i couldn't like i can't remember the the cell service was bad or whatever i couldn't get the app to open but i could make phone calls it was like just enough for a phone call yeah so i was like hey um i know this is crazy but would you help me and she was like yeah absolutely what you got sure. i'm like yeah. what are you freaking kidding me this is awesome right so yeah. uh don't recommend flooding their support team with phone calls on what spring to put on your door but like if you can't if you don't have enough cell service to open the app i thought that was really cool that she was willing to help me uh but overall man i really appreciate you coming in and doing the podcast you're a great friend of ours here at torsion talk and um hope to get to do more stuff with you no thank you appreciate it as always and uh you know we love uh, watching the, the the show as well so it's neat to be a part of it thank you Yep. We're going to hope to get back to that soon. We, uh, we stopped recording for a little bit. We're going to try and do a little bit better planning and, uh, roll back out. So awesome. Hopefully soon. All right. Thank you guys for following along with Torch Talk podcast. If you are uh, not checking us out on uh, Facebook, make sure that you like our Facebook page and, uh, hope to catch you soon. Make sure to hit me up too on Facebook. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm good at making connections. Uh, if you have any questions about service spring, happy to answer them. Hit me up. Talk to you soon.